This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. I'm Nicole Victory. I'm really excited to be here this morning. I am a part of like the leadership team here at Nova. And uh, Mike and Nancy, it's actually their 18th anniversary this weekend. I know, that's pretty cool, hey? But they're gone away this weekend. You guys can cheer and clap and, and, and have conversation in church this morning. But they're, they're like 18 years married, okay, which is amazing. But Mike is actually preaching in Montreal this weekend, so you guys got me this morning, okay? I'm sorry, no. But I'm excited to be here because I've been traveling the last, like, four or five weeks and stuff around, and so there's no place like home, right? There really isn't. Like, there is no place like home. I've been all over, and all I can think about is all the faces in this room that I love to see. Um, I'm, I'm honestly, like, so humbled to be a part of so many cool people. Like, on the team and on the, even on the stage this morning, I mean, Emily Pelly, she opened up our rally this morning. If you weren't at rally, I encourage you to become part of the Nova team and join the rally. Uh, super, super fun. We cheer each other on and we pray and we have a little chat in the morning to kind of get our excitement up when we come in here. And uh, she got to lead this morning and there's been, uh, you know, Aaron and Andrea on the stage there today. And, I mean, June killed it on the keys. Did you guys hear that slide earlier? She did a whole slide. Like, I was cheering for the slide. So I'm excited this morning. I'm surrounded by crazy, awesome people. I'm also married to this guy that was right here. He looks like Jesus a little bit. Really handsome, really hairy, you know, that dude. So that's Christian. So we're married, and uh, we are so excited to be a part of Nova. Um, this morning is a movement morning. So if you're tired today, we're going to get moving, okay? Like, we're going to really, really jump into this. And I'm going to be speaking from one of my favorite stories in the world, in the Bible, and uh, it's in Second Kings, so if you have your Bibles with you, feel free to uh, do that. You know what's awesome? When people leave notes on your, on your keyboard that are not your notes and are inappropriate to say, uh, Mark, Andrew, uh, uh, Ian must have left that there. So when you see them later, ask them what they wrote me, guys. Okay, so I'm speaking from Second Kings this morning, 7 verse 3. Um, those guys, they say I'm evil, but I swear they're evil. Right? They're the bad ones. They call me their nemesis, but I don't know, guys. I'm not convinced here this morning. So 2 Kings, we're going to turn to. You guys bring your Bibles this morning? All right. So this is a movement morning. So we're going to concentrate on a story that is full of movement. Can you guys turn up the lights just a little bit in the crowd because I can't see anybody? Thank you. Okay. So 2 Kings, verse 7. Let's jump in. I'm going to read it to you guys. So verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we stay, we'll go into the city. The famine is there and we'll die. And if we stay here, we will die. Give you a background. This is a city under siege. So this entire city has been cut off from all surrounding uh, amenities. Okay, So this city is in the middle of a desert. And there's another um, larger group of people who have cut off, a big army, who have cut off all of their resources to the city. So there's a desert separating them from this big army. And because this army has cut off everything, all the resources, there's crazy famine and disease and, and some really desperate things happening in that city, okay? Just to give you a background in case you don't know. So they say, if we stay here, so these lepers are outside of the city against the wall, and they look to each other and they say, if we stay here, we'll die. So let's go over to the camp of the, camp of the Armenians, or that army, and surrender. If they spare us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of the camp, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptian king to attack us. 
So they got up and they fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents, their horses, and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, and ate and drank. They took the silver, the gold, and the cloth, and they went off and hid them. They returned and entered into another tent and took some things from it and hid that also. Then they looked to each other and said, We're not doing what is right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, We went to the Armenians' camp and no one was there, not a sound from anyone. Only their horses and donkeys and tents were left just as they were. So the gatekeeper shouted the news into the city, into the palace, and everyone in the city was set free because of these guys, okay? Very cool story. It can preach on its own, but I'm going to help you a little bit this morning, okay? This is a story, so this, like I said, is a story of movement. But one of the things I notice in it that stands out to me is that it's very pitiless. You know what I mean? Like, they aren't asking for pity. And I, as a person, can really relate to that, okay? I'm not really somebody, like, I'm a very adventurous person, like, almost a bit recklessly adventurous, okay? Usually when I'm up here, I'll throw my husband under the bus. Um, but I'm going to throw myself under the bus a little bit more today, okay? He's a little bit easier because he's the quiet, like, good one. And, like, people think he's really good all the time. And he is, like, 95% of the time. He's really good, okay, guys? He's awesome. But I'm, on the other hand, where I do mischievous things. So I love adventure and recklessness. And that's probably why I get notes like that when I'm preaching. So um, I love, but I love it, guys. I love it. It gets me going. Like, I, get, I get excited when I get to do something. It gives me a rush. Like, I love that. But I also love the side of it where, like, I don't want pity. I don't want people to give me a break. I want to try to learn it myself. And I have this, like, weird confidence where I'm like, probably because I was raised by a single mom, I think that I can do it, and I can do it well, and I can go for it. And I have this, like this zeal or zealous thing in me or whatever it is. But I love when I read stories that don't have pity in them. So I was actually reminded, I was talking to Christian about this as I was preparing this message, and I was thinking of a story to tell you. And he was like, you need to, you need to start the story off with another story so these people can really understand you. And he told me to tell this story, okay? Just to give you an example of how much I don't lean, I don't like to lean into pity, okay? One time I was at the gym. And I was at the gym and I was working out really hard. And you know when you do like a really hard, heavy workout, you suddenly have no power left in you, right? Like you've given it your all. Can anybody relate this morning? Okay, five people can relate. Amazing. Okay, so five of you are with me this morning. And you guys can relate to working out really hard at the gym when you have no energy left. And so I was at the point where I was like, okay, I am dead. And I had these, uh, I had like, you know how there's, for the five of you who go to the gym, the ones where the weights are like on the side of it and there's a barbell, but it's already attached. And they go up to about, you know, 80 pounds is like the heaviest. Well, I had like a 70, 80 pound one that I was using. And I was supposed to go back up on the top rack. So for me, it's like bringing it up to here and popping it up. And I'm in this state where, like, I'm shaking, okay, because I'm so tired. But I'm like, man, I'm getting this thing up there. I do not care what happens. So I walk over across the gym, and just at that time, a bunch of young guys came in. I think they were from a hockey team or something. And they were working out or whatever. And I think they seen me kind of struggling just to carry it over to where it was supposed to be hoisted up. So I walk over to this thing, and I'm, like, carrying it, looking like I'm struggling. And I get to it, and this nice young man comes up to me, and he's like, excuse me, um, do you want me to help you with that? And I looked at him, and I'm like, absolutely not. You go on now, is what I said. 
And I was, because I'm from Newfoundland, you go on now is what I said. And I picked up this stupid weight. And just because I knew that I had told him I don't need his help, I got that thing up there, man. Like, that's probably why I had to see Heather this week for, like, treatment on my back. But I got that thing up there, whether I had to struggle through it or not. And I popped it up, and I was proud of myself. And I went home, and I iced my back. And, uh, but I did not need the pity of another human to do it. I know it's a flaw, guys. It's, it's, it's crippling sometimes. But it's where I'm too, okay? I have that, like, I can do it kind of mentality. And so one time we were on tour. My husband and I, we tour a lot. He's, he's in a band of his own, and I travel with speaking. And this one time we were down in Michigan, and we were working, um, like, helping with a bunch of festivals down there with a nonprofit. And we usually get treated really good in the States, okay, when we go places. We get hosted by very, usually wealthy people that want to spoil us. So we're always like, yeah, we get to go to the States to be spoiled. So we were down there, and we were in Michigan. And Michigan is like, there's a lot of farmland in this, this, little, this little place. And this particular place we were staying was like in the middle of nowhere, and they had all these kind of fun things. So they had like a motorbike, they had an ATV, they had a four-wheeler, like all this just like deadly stuff and like multi multiples of them. So we were all able to go on it and take our turn. And so we were on it, and we were having fun, and one of the guys, one of my friends on, in the band said to me, he's like, Nicole, like, have you ever driven a motorbike before? I'm like, no, dude, never. He's like, you need to try it. And Christian was like, no, you don't. You don't need to try that today. I'm like, no, I definitely do now. So I'm like, okay, well, where is it? And so they bring me over to this motorbike, and they give me, you know, I get on it, and they give me like 10 seconds of how to use it. I'm like, man, I'm fine. I don't need your help. And I put on my, my helmet, and I just go for it, okay? So I'm just like beelining it down the road, like me, me, like everything I've ever seen in motocross was just like flashing through my brain, and I'm going as fast as I can, like a dummy, and I'm just going for it, okay? Going for it. And me and my friend Dion, he was on the four-wheeler behind me, and we're just going in and out, we're going around, and we were, I was told to go like this, like go down there and turn around. So go down this dirt road to turn around, and there's just cornfields all around us. And so I'm going down to turn around. And so I think back to my motocross, like, watching experiences. And I, see, I remember that when they go to really do a turn, they go pretty deep, right? Like, they turn, like, all the way to their side. And they really, like, give it. And so I'm like, I can do that, right? <laughs> my first time on a bike, I can do this, okay? So I'm going down, and especially where I know the guys, like, at this point we left Christian far behind in trying to attempt this part. But we were going, and I was like, okay, I'm going to try. So I went to whip it and go around the turn to, do, to turn around. And my bike went sailing into the cornfield, okay? Corn going everywhere, just flying. Like, just picture something from a movie. That was my experience of flying through the cornfield, corn going everywhere, and then just lying in just a pile of crap dirt, okay? Legit, like just lying there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I bit it hard. But I jumped up as fast as I could because I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm totally fine. And I get up and my friend was like, are you okay? I'm like, I am totally fine. And I get back up. He's like, do you want to ride mine back? I'm like, no, no, I'll ride the bike back. And I rode the bike back like covered in dirt, like probably taking corn out my back, like the hoodie or whatever, like coming back. But I couldn't be shamed of it. I was like, oh, you know, I did a good job. And when I came in, Christian's like, so how did it go? I'm like, best kind. Like everything was totally fine. And Anyway, now he says I'm never allowed to drive one of those things again. But that was our experience. Like, that's my experience was trying to, like, be adventurous and, and not have pity. So when I read stories like this and I try to put my mind into it, 
I'm always reminded of my own life and how our life can be brought into what we read, right? Because if we just read the Bible and we don't see ourselves in it, then it's not going to be very refreshing, okay? It's going to be a little bit stale to us sometimes. So when I read that story and I think of those guys, I reflect on all the moments in my life where I was trying to actually hear God's voice, trying to be adventurous, and trying to walk out into what he called me to be. And so I relate to this story so heavily, especially in the beginning of it. But I'm just going to say a quick prayer so we can just open our hearts to God and so that he can speak to us through this message. Because you might have heard it before, maybe it's your first time, but I want to know what God has this morning. So Jesus, I thank you that today um, we get to just be here, Lord. We get to be here and just activate your presence in us, God. Lord, I just pray that you would just help us to hear your voice, to understand what parts of the messages are from you or this message is from you, God, uh, and what part might be for somebody else. But today, Lord, I want you to speak to the individual, speak to me, God, and may this be an experience with a living God this morning. Amen. All right, let's jump into the first, first point into this that I love. And I also got to say here too, guys, like I don't know about you, but I've done a ton of missions in my life, and I love doing missions. Do you guys Have you guys done any missions in the room? A little bit? Okay. So missions is one of my favorite things to do, and I've actually worked with people with leprosy over in China. Christian and I went away many moons ago, and we actually lived in leper villages, and uh, we got to see how these people look and live. And a lot of them, um, when you get leprosy in a, in a developing country, they don't really understand the disease, so they push you out of your families. And they make you go live in special colonies, okay, where you, have, you don't have special medical care and things like that. You're kind of pushed up by yourself. So we lived with these people for a while, and we got to see how they actually looked. Like they were missing limbs from their arms down. Some of them didn't have legs. Some of them had their shoes tied to their kneecaps, and they would drag themselves, all while trying to provide for themselves. So they would go, and they would have to cut down trees so they could have firewood for themselves. Like they were farmers, even though they were totally without limbs. Like that's insane, right? And so I picture this one guy named Mr. Wong that I met when I'm there, when I read my Bible and I read these stories. And the first point I wanted to, to kind of jump out into this story was the whole point that they, they got out, okay? So there's a point in this story where these guys, okay, they're sitting around this wall, and they look at each other and they say, if we stay here, we're going to die, but if we move, we're going to live, like, that is some crazy revelation. They're sitting outside of a city that had completely rejected them. They were completely broken. They had all these disabilities. They had all these flaws around them. But no matter what was going on inside of their hearts, outside of their, themselves, around them in their environment, it was even worse what was going on. They were kicked out of a city that had famine and disease, that was broken, that was suffering, that had no hope. And they were sitting on the outside of that city. Okay, you want to talk about some desperate dudes? This is a definition of desperate right here. And they look at one another and they decide to get up and they decide to move. Okay, they decide to move. So they begin to trudge against this desert. And so in my head, in this moment, I start to picture these guys helping one another and holding on to the shoulder of the person in front of them. Or maybe one of them was blind and needed some guidance. Or maybe one of them didn't have any legs, so he jumped on the shoulders of the other guy. I see these guys working together to move. Okay, what a picture of the church right there. So I see these guys working together to move across this desert. And even though in their suffering and in their, in, their, in their demise and everything that was going on across this desert, like I wouldn't be able to cross the desert right now, let alone if I had some real physical things going on. But these guys were crossing the desert, and in their trudge, like the banging of their feet or their trudge across that desert, God met their sound and made it so crazy loud so crazy loud that it frightened the army away. 
Like, talk about God meeting you. You just heard Aaron talking about what you bring, God meets it. This is a moment of bringing what you have and God meeting it. Like, there's so much goodness in that moment, guys. There's somebody that needs to hear that this morning, that what you have right now is enough for God to use and enough for God to move in. Are you hearing me this morning? There's something so good about that. And so God met them in that. And this crazy sound came from it. They were all of a sudden so powerful that this other city that was completely over-captivated, totally captivated, they've been stuck forever. These four guys were able to go in and be stronger than this whole city ever was because a God that they believed in showed up and met them. That is so, so good. But then they got there, and this is the second point, is get back. This is the second point. They got to this, this area. They got to where the camp was. They looked around because God had met them. Their noise was so crazy loud. It scared off this army, and they took off running. So when they got there, they had all these riches in front of them, like all these crazy riches. They now had everything that had been taken away from them or not granted to them right in front of them. So they celebrated. They had some fun for a second. They looked at what they were able to get. They looked at what God blessed them with. But they had this moment where one of them stopped and looked at the other guys and was like, this is not good. Like, we have to go back and we have to rescue. We have to save other people. Like, they had this crazy character built within them from their suffering. Character is not built in easy moments, guys. Character is built in quiet places that are really hard. And so these guys had this crazy amount of character that even though suffering was something they were used to and they had walked through and they just walked through more of it and now they had something good in front of them, they still had the character to look at each other and be like, we need to set people free. We need to set people free. And those guys, they turned around and they began to walk back over that desert. It doesn't say that they called a cab, okay? They walked back over that desert. It was hard enough for them to get there in the first place, but they decided now that they have everything, they were going to turn around and go back and save people. They went back to save people, guys. And when they got to that gate and they shouted to the gatekeeper that they were set free, they set people free. But there's this crazy moment in this message, and this is one of the points that hits me the most when I read it, is that they were still lepers when they set people free. Okay? Their leprosy was not healed when they decided to carry others. They still had to walk across a desert even though God was meeting them. There is something so powerful in that moment in realizing that, you know what, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what is going to come up in front of me, I'm going to step up and be who I'm called to be regardless of the issues in my life. Because we serve a God that shows up every time, each and every time. He comes in in our weaknesses and he is strong. And that's what our faith is about. It's about being people who believe in a God that shows up and then going out and carrying other people. There's something powerful in the realization that they were not healed from their leprosy, guys. Like, that is crazy good news. You should be at the, anybody who has issues, I have issues. If I was sitting down there and I heard that for the first time, I'd be like, yes, God can use my life. God can step in and he can be my strength and I can still live out my purpose. Like, there's something so cool in that, guys. And I know it's a rainy day, but man, it's good news. Like, if your gospel's not good news, go home, right? Like, this is good news this morning. 
And I want to jump back. It's funny. The last point that I love to make in this story is actually where the first point should be. But the last point is get up. Okay? This is the most powerful moment in this story. Because you look at these four guys, these four guys with leprosy, and at first they're leaning against this wall. And they're just sitting there and they're leaning there. And they're waiting to die. Okay? They're literally sitting there waiting to die, waiting for famine to overtake them, waiting for their disease to overtake them. There's nobody coming. They're waiting there to die. But they have this moment where they decide to move. Okay? There is a movement moment in this story. And I want to be honest with you guys today. There has been so many times in my life where I have leaned against walls. Okay? Maybe you're in the room this morning and you're leaning against a wall that is actually your purpose. And it's inside of the wall and you're just leaning on it because you gave up on it. Maybe you're here this morning and you're leaning against a wall where the inside of that is rejection. It's abuse. Maybe you're here and it's other things. Maybe it's your anxiety, your depression. Maybe it's a spirit of suicide. Maybe it's something so negative that you won't even share with anybody else in your life. But you're leaning against it and you're choosing to lean against it and not move. Because you're too afraid to move. Guys, I want to be honest with you this morning. I have been that person so many times. It blows my mind that I do what I do, okay? I was a kid that grew up in a single-parent home. My mom and dad got divorced when I was around seven. And when my dad left, he really left. And he would choose when he would want to come back into my life, okay? So he would choose when he would want to take me on the weekends. He would choose when he wanted to show up to plays. I was his choice. He never told me he was proud of me. He never told me that he loved me or that I was beautiful, that, that he thought that I had so crazy plans on my life. He never encouraged me ever in my entire life. And for so many years, I leaned against a wall of rejection because of somebody's inability to give me value. Okay? I leaned hard against that wall. I've had so many moments. Like I said, I literally remember being the kid. I remember being the kid who would be on her front doorstep sitting there waiting for her, for her dad to come pick her up, and he would not show up. And I would stay there for hours just hoping he would show up. And then me and my mom would get in an argument because she would say to me, listen, you're not waiting for him anymore. And I would yell at her and say, no, I want to wait for him. I want to wait for my dad to show up. And she would say, no more. We're not doing this anymore. But I thought that it was my job to wait for him because I couldn't understand my value or my worth. I waited and I waited and I leaned and I leaned. And then as I started to get older, God was beginning to do some cool work in my life and there was something is changing and I started to lean into it and be like, you know, I believe that God shows up. God has a plan. I did missions. I traveled. I met this guy here. And I remember on our wedding, when we were planning our wedding, I called my dad because I still had known him and I still had this relationship with him. And I called him to ask me, I asked him to walk me down the aisle because everybody knew he was still in my life when he chose to. So I knew I had to ask him. And so I called up my dad and I said, hey dad, how's it going? Because I talked to him every couple of times a month. And I called him up, I'm like, hey dad, how's it going? And we had a chat and I was like, you know, I'm just wondering if you would walk me down the aisle at my wedding. And he said, no. He said, nope. He said, I'm not coming either. And I remember in that moment feeling so broken, okay? Like humiliated broken. I was going to walk down the aisle with my mom, which was beautiful and amazing, but that was not my choice. 
It was somebody else's choice over me. So I remember hearing that decision from him and being so devastated from it. Christian and I went to YWAM shortly after we got married and I would have these nightmares in the night about my husband leaving me. I'm gonna get vulnerable with you because I believe that vulnerability and light is where, like in the broken parts, that's where the light shines in. So I'm gonna be vulnerable this morning because someone needs to hear it. But I remember having these nightmares in the nighttime that my husband, who is nothing like my father, he's the greatest gift God has ever given me in my life. I remember having these nightmares that he was gonna leave me because that's all I ever known is being a choice. And I'd have these crazy nightmares. And I, so I started reaching out to God. I started reading my Bible. I started having my worship times. I started going through counseling and being like, this is not my legacy. This is not what I'm choosing to lean on anymore. God, I need you to do a good work on me because I will not lean on this anymore. I will not lean on it anymore. And so I went through so much healing in my life, guys, and it continuously goes and goes and goes. Continuously goes. My relationship with my dad today is better than what it was, okay? It's a lot better. But it's through God's good work in me. It's through deciding that I'm gonna lean into God instead of leaning against my walls of rejection and hurt. And I wanna encourage you guys this morning with this story. I wanna encourage you guys to think about this moment. I want you to ask yourself, what walls am I leaning against? Because there's a world out there. You've heard Andrew mention it earlier. There were shootings. There's all this junk going on in the world. And as Christians, you're responsible. I'm responsible for changing it. But we can't bring change. We can't step up if we're not willing to lean off that wall, if we're not ready to go. If you're here this morning and you've been leaning against your purpose, you had a purpose, you used to have a destiny in your mind in your 20s and your 30s, and your, your whole mind will be consumed with who God has called you to be but career and other things have gotten in the way and now you're in a place where you think back to that time, you got a wall around your purpose. You got a wall around what God has called you to be and this morning, you need to get up off that wall. If you have anxiety this morning where everything that you do is surrounded by anxiety, where depression takes you by the shoulder every and each time you try to step up, you are leaning against that wall. Because guys, I can say that with confidence because I have lived a life of getting up, okay? And each and every time, it's not because I was strong because there are so many times when I have been so weak and so vulnerable and so desperate, but when I got, met me in my trudge. He met me when I wasn't strong enough to carry myself. He met me after my wedding when I felt so broken, I had nightmares. He met me in all of those places so that I could feel his power, his strength, his love, his encouragement, who he called me to be. He met me in my brokenness. He gave me strength and I was able to carry on. And when you go through that process, guys, it's this really cool thing happens. When you go through that process, you start to understand that you serve a God that meets you. Because in culture, we're really good at meeting our own needs, okay? But in God culture, we need to let God have room to meet our needs, okay? And so I let God come into my life and meet the areas that needed to be met. We grow in the valleys, right? Where the soil is deep. We don't grow in mountaintops. And so in those places, I had growth with God. But one of the things that stood out to me the most and that impacts me the most with everything that I do, everything that I sacrifice, every time I do something, is the idea that God carried me so much so I could carry others. 
God wants to carry you this morning so you can carry other people. It's not to just leave you where you are. Christianity is a movement, guys. It's a blessing. It's continuous. It's everlasting. It's hopeful. It sets people free. It's captivating because it's a kind of love that believes in people even when they're forgotten. So my question to you this morning is what wall are you leaning on? What wall are you leaning on this morning? Only you know. I don't know. I've aired my confessions. It's your turn. So I want to pray for you guys, and and I just want to give us a little bit more room just to worship for a second. But why don't you guys close your eyes with me for a sec. I want to give you guys a moment to identify the wall in your life that you're leaning against. Just, Just quiet yourself just for a second and ask God, Lord, what have I been leaning on that I need to get up off of? If you're here this morning and you're leaning against a wall, I want you to just raise your hand up with every eye closed. My hand is going up with you guys. God, I thank you for the hearts in this room. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of destiny and of purpose and of value, Jesus. I thank you that the good work that you started in us, that you will finish in us, God. Lord, I just want to speak directly to people's walls this morning and where they are in their walk, Jesus, that you would just revive something in them that the purpose that has been buried in their life will begin to come up, Jesus. God, that the places where there might be rejection or or abuse, God, or uh, depression or anxiety or fear, God, we speak against fear in this moment, God. Whatever people are leaning against, Jesus, you know. And so in this moment, God, I just want to speak the words, rise up. Rise up against uh, from your wall. Rise up from your wall and begin to move. And Lord, I pray in this moment, God, that you would just give them an overwhelming sense of confidence that you are a God that meets us, that we don't have to be strong. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to feel so weak that you can barely get up off that wall. And someone feels like that this morning, that they feel so weak they can barely tear themselves up against the wall. But I promise you, friends, when you do that this morning, you will have freedom in your life. So God, I pray for courage. I pray for courage in this room. Thank you, Jesus. Guys, our God has a plan and purpose and he has goodness for our life. And at any time in your walk, you can forfeit it. But he never takes it back. Did you hear that? There's some, there's like the, whoever's dealing with purpose this morning, maybe you're older, whatever God has placed in you, you can forfeit pursuing it. But he doesn't take it back. I dare you to walk it out. Because who you are today will not be who you are next year. I believe that, that the issues that you're facing today or tomorrow, like I don't want to be defined by my, my issues. I want to be defined on who God created me to be, that process of getting to know him. That's hope. That's gospel. So guys, let, let's stand up again. We're going to do a worship song, but can you repeat after me? Let's just let's be cheesy for a moment, okay? Can you guys say, get up. Get out. Get Get back. back. So try it again. Get up. Get out. Get back. So you get up, right? You make that choice to get up. You get out there. You start your trudge, your moment of getting up. So now, you guys, there's a lot of people this morning who decided to get up. 
So get moving. God is going to meet you. But when he, he's met you, don't forget to turn around and carry other people. Because that's Christianity. It's carrying others. Amen.